1: privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply. Stop.
0: Stop. out.
1: And welcome back to The Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host. I'm your guide, as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call The Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on The Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Simul Radio and Simul TV. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, XZone at XZoneRadioTV.com on all social media sites, TV, And for all the programming we have available for you, 24-7, 367 on the XZone Broadcast Network, just visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, XZone Nation, is uh, Larry Falls. And uh, Larry presently lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, as a clinical sexologist and therapist working with homeless men and helping street prostitutes deal with personal issues. He is also the author of When Sex Was a Religion, his website, www.whensexwasareligion.org. Joining me now from uh, Vancouver is Dr. Larry And uh, Larry, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Well,
0: it's a great pleasure, Rob. Thank you.
1: Uh, Larry, before we get into the, uh, the meat of this, uh, this hour and talking about your book, When Sex Was Religion, how has the uh, COVID-19 pandemic affected the people, especially the street people and prostitutes in Vancouver?
0: It has affected them to a certain extent because they're not getting as uh, much help. As they need. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, though, when you look at a lot of the uh, street guys, the homeless guys, the people I work with, um, not many of them um, have acquired the virus. But on the other hand, with uh, sexual with uh, addiction, they have a lot of uh, ODs. So there's more ODs than what there are. Uh, each, uh, the COVID virus.
1: So based on based on what you know and the people that you work with, the different organizations, as well as the different uh, social agencies, is there has the covid virus actually increased within the homeless people or has the stats as far as their health remain the same?
0: Basically, from my observation, Mm -hmm. uh, especially looking at the poorest side of Vancouver, uh, a lot of them, not many have been affected, just a small minority. However, there seems to be more ODs than what there are uh, diagnosed of COVID-19.
1: And when we're talking about the ODs in Vancouver, what are are we talking about? Are we talking about heroin, fentanyl, um, any of the other hardcore drugs?
0: Yeah, we're talking about basically the street drugs and the uh, it's influ- the uh, there's no imp- there are impurities in the in the street drugs itself. It's a variety of different drugs. Mm-hmm. But because of so many different chemicals sold by the pushers, uh, it's, it's pretty dangerous.
1: Now, your first work- book is entitled When Sex Was a Religion. Now, what was your inspiration for writing that book and when was sex a religion?
0: I think originally you have to look at the uh, what was the origin of religion and uh, what was the reason for having religion at all. And that way, we look way back to ancient history, say mm-hmm. the beginning of time when humanity first broke the earth, and mysterious forces at work, such as natural disasters like earthquakes, uh, thunder and lightning, people did not have any knowledge of, of science of, at that particular time, and they were very suspicious. And they were looking at the stars and the skies and the moon, and they were particularly occupied by what they believed as gods and spirits. And with that fear, they thought if they could placate the spirits at that time, it may bring a little bit of uh, protection and goodwill.
1: How long did it actually take you to write your book?
0: It took me a little over five years because I went around to different countries, Mm -hmm. mostly the United States and places in New York, as well as studying a lot of uh, old writings, uh, ancient books. I found in used bookstores and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But more in particular, I looked at, uh, studied anthropology and looking at sociology and the behavior of different cultures, throughout the ages. And basically, it all remained the same. And what I mean by that, in the genesis of reason, when you're looking at the way people think, but most the priority of humanity is to reproduce. And we never lost that concept, the importance of reproduction.
1: Was there any time during the research for your book that you came across something that actually just blew you away? Uh, uh, something so revolutionary that it made no sense to you why this hadn't been picked up before, written about, and and spread worldwide.
0: Yeah, I think the what influenced me more than anything else was the fact that uh, I grew up going to church, as mm-hmm. most people have, uh, learning about different religions, and they all had a basic theme, and that basic theme was based on Genesis and the creation of the human life and right. and, the, and God and so on and so forth. So what I thought was, well, wait a minute, who created God and and I pursued that area, and it was very interesting because I don't want to get too much into it because a lot of people disagree. But when you're looking at creation, where we came from, where are we going, um, looking at the role of nature, all of those things gave me uh, some inspiration and, and asked a lot of questions, trying to answer the question, why? Why are we so, you know interested in Mm -hmm. human sexuality, why are we interested in religion, and what is the connection between sex and religion, looking at it from an innocent point of view, rather than coming up with all kinds of mythological ideas.
1: In your opinion, why is sex such a taboo topic in in many sociological circles? Like, everybody does it, why not talk about it?
0: Yeah, I think probably because of our inheritance from the past uh, Victorian era and looking at uh, sexuality Mm -hmm. as something that's cruel or evil, and it's only for reproduction. When you look at the oppression of women, for example, especially during the Victorian era where they were supposed to keep their ankles covered and so on and so forth, Uh, so we've including the way religion uh, looked at women and how we're supposed to uh, treat each other as, as using women as objects more than as uh, equal beings. So again, we're looking at a dictatorship by men and how sexuality should be. But on the other hand, at the same time, you're looking a lot, at a lot of uh, sexual abuse, uh, you're looking at issues where women are not supposed to do certain things as dictated by men. So when we add that into the the Bible or the Quran or in other areas, you're looking at a situation where it's not so much as what was taught, so much as what was done by those who preach the gospel.
1: All right, here we are in the year 2020. If If prostitution was to be legalized across Canada. Do you think that that would have a uh, a major effect on the sex trade, drug trade, and the homelessness situation?
0: Yeah, that's a big issue for the simple reason that uh, sexuality is always controlled. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get a grasp of it, uh and look at the natural desires and the importance of of that particular need you're going to look at the the uh, criminal element who jumps in and takes total control and destroy people for at, at the moment you're looking at for example gangs who form prostitution rings and having total control over the women at the same time, you're looking at the opposition by government regulations. Now, what we need to do, and my, my, from my point of view, is the fact that we need to legalize prostitution because it's not going to go away. Right. What's going to happen is that you're going to create more crime, more uh, issues. Uh, the crime in regards to you're going to get women is going to be totally abused. They can't go for help. Uh, Things of that nature. So we need to look at it from a realistic point of view. Now at nighttime when I roam around the street. All right, we're gonna to have to we're gonna to have
1: to do a bit of a cliffhanger here because I do have to take my first commercial break, Larry, so please stand by. Exonation, our guest right. this hour is Larry Falls. He's the author of When Sex Was Religion and his website is www.whensexwasreligion.com. sex was religion o r g And Larry and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the X-Zone. Don't go away. Explanation: Larry Falls is our special guest. He is the author of "When Sex Was Religion." His website: whensexwasreligion.org. Larry, before we uh, went to the break, you were just going to tell us about when you go out on the, uh, onto the streets at night, and so please take it up from there.
0: All right. So usually I. Usually I go perhaps around midnight, sometimes one o'clock in the morning when Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, working uh, in the shelter with homeless men. I see a lot of the poor ladies who are basically on welfare or not on welfare at all, just hanging around the streets doing drugs. You see these guys coming around in fancy cars, obviously with a fairly good income, sneaking around in the dark galleys, picking up these gals, and uh, nothing is done to protect these women. So if we were to legalize it, we would not see as many issues, especially health issues and so on and so forth, that uh, plague society today. If we were to legalize it, It would be a more healthy uh, community and uh, trying to take care of good health of the women as well as protecting the men. So in that light, I would rather see it legalized rather than people who are, you know, picking up women illegally or sneaking around corners, uh, doing things in shame and unprotected in a healthy way.
1: Let us say, tomorrow, prostitution would be made legal. How do you think that would affect society? How would the legalization of prostitution affect the uh, sanctity of marriage?
0: I don't think it would have too much of an impact on the sanctity of marriage, because even people who are married are pretty loyal to each other, but you do Get a few people who are probably more uh, sexual than the average individual, and they are more likely to go out and cheat or look for a thrill for a few moments or what have you. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, you may look at people who are not married. You may look at senior citizens, and yes, senior citizens are as sexual as anyone else, although we tend to uh, ignore that Part of the reality. So when we're looking at think something that's legalized, it's safe, it's legal, you're protected, and chances are you won't get into as many criminal elements as you do today.
1: There seems to be a natural connection between illicit narcotic sales, the overdosing of of uh, of drugs, uh, people who use drugs, and and prostitution. Would this change if prostitution was legalized?
0: I don't think it will change the concept of illegal uh, drugs. I think the present moment when you're looking at illegal drugs, the biggest problem right now is fentanyl that's Mm -hmm. on the street. And these drugs are spiked with fentanyl, and it's all types of uh, chemicals that immediately affect the body in a way that's going to cause death. Uh, it's not pure; it's all kinds of stuff in it that's going to create many problems in the human body. So if it was legalized, you might be able to have greater control over drug abuse as well as human sexuality at the present time. uh we do have a place where people can go and inject in a safe way, but at the same time some of those drugs may also be laced uh, with other things as well. So again, we're looking at something that's not only illegal, Mm -hmm. but it's not really uh, controlled as it should be to ensure that there's going to be safety on the street for everyone.
1: Once again, when we look at prostitution and the illicit drug trade, we have a heavy connection to two facets of society. We have the the organized crime aspect and then we also have the biker aspect neither uh, i i really can't see how either one of the these two parties either the bikers or the members of the organized crime who are involved in prostitution as well as narcotics would let this this uh, legalization continue without them finding another way a black market way of you know a uh, continuing business as not to lose any part of the rev- uh, the revenue that is generated by this so how would how would this really be more advantageous to the the prostitutes and the drug users
0: well at the present time of course there's a lot of uh, gangs involved in uh, prostitution as well as the uh, distribution of drugs sure Unfortunately, some of that stuff, uh, it won't cease, but it may decrease the number of uh, illegal uh, gangs getting involved in that type of uh, business. For example, if you're looking at bikers, they, they have a history of of, of uh, laundering money and things of that nature. And I think this is the issue that the authorities need to look at a little bit more closely and that is a laundry of money, uh, buying legal uh, businesses, so on and so forth, through over a period of time. So probably we need a more uh, author- more uh, legal authorities to investigate these gangs and new criminal elements that's coming into Canada, and you know, selling uh, sex uh, on an illegal basis as well as distributing illegal drugs that poison, that's mm-hmm. infected with impurities, so on and so forth. That's never going to go away. But I think we can decrease the chance of getting caught up in illegal activities and save many more lives than what's being saved now.
1: Well, here in Canada, you know, there's been the legalization of marijuana. How has this legalization of marijuana, which many people think is a gateway drug, how has this affected the on-the-street user? Has there been an increase or has there been a decrease based on the research that you've done?
0: Based on my observation, there's been an increase. And the reason why there's an increase is because people who claim that they want to give up their you know, drugs, mm-hmm. uh, they want to quit. They don't want to be an addict anymore. So what they do is they give up their hardcore drugs and change, go to uh, smoking pot as, you know, and make an excuse that, well, pot's not as bad as our drugs, so uh, I won't be so badly addicted if I switch to marijuana. But I think what people fail to realize, and which is a reality is that when you're looking at THC or when you're looking at cannabis, you're also looking at uh, mood-altering substance as well. Now, mind you, medically, it's good for people who are suffering pain, uh, having other chronic problems. And unfortunately, a lot of people may believe that they have those uh, symptoms in order to acquire thought. Uh, so at the same time, you're not only looking at a dependency, you're creating another addiction as well. The sad thing is going closer down in age to younger generations, to younger people, and mm-hmm. eventually they'll probably, or as evidence suggests, there are younger people who are becoming more addicted to uh, cannabis rather than their drugs. Plus,
1: we also we also don't know at this, uh, this uh, present day and time what new designer drugs will be out five, six, or let's even go two, three years from now. That will be as bad as bath salts and the other designer drugs that are being brought into Canada through uh, through the borders from China, being one of the major distributors of of uh, these uh, designer drugs that we see on them on the streets today. So how is the you know like it's it's okay to say all right you know we'll legalize marijuana because I think they're using the same mentality as when they legalized alcohol back in the in the early days. Taking it away from the bootlegger and making it legal, so to try and crush the flow of money going back to organized crime, which I, I don't know if if that really worked or not, because you know, yeah, you, you take the money well, out of one pocket, I, you put it into another, basically.
0: Yeah, that's very true because. What we- We're looking at, but basically we're looking at an addiction, a drug paradigm Mm -hmm. that has no conclusion because there's always going to be uh, something else that takes place. It's just a question of time. There's also going to be uh, more addicts as well as people who are not addicted. But the problem is what we need to do is look at what the results of addiction is or the, the results or the aftermath of chronic addiction. When you're looking at, for example, when you're looking at substances now that's just recently coming out, uh, including uh, cannabis, we don't know what the long-range consequence will be because it's exactly. just recent in the past 20 years or so. So we won't know for another one or two generations, for example, what impact will it have on the embryo, on a pregnant woman or what impact will it have on young people and what does it do to the brain all of these things will not uh, show itself until maybe for another generation or so so there's still a lot of research that needs to be done the reality is and i think we can all agree to this is that we don't really know what the impact is they're all impacted by uh the substance that's foreign and it does influence the way we think, the way we act, and the difficulty of getting out of it. So we need to realize that there's a lot of things we perhaps need to look at and make decisions in regards to should All be right, Larry, I, I hate to cut you.
1: Larry, I hate to cut you, but I do have to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. XR nation. Larry Falls is our special guest. He's the author of When Sex Was Religion. Dot O-R-G. That's his website, the name of his book. The same as his website, When Sex Was Religion. I'm Rob McConnell, this is The x and uh, Larry Falls and I will be back on the other side of the news. Mm, so whatever you do, don't go away. everyone. This is the One. I am Rob McConnell. Larry Falls is my special guest of this hour. He's the author of When Sex Was Religion, and his website is whensexwasreligion.org. Larry, we started to talk about the results of chronic addiction. Can we get into that? Because I, I, I'm, I'm sure that the majority of our listeners have no idea how devastating chronic addiction can be.
0: It can be very devastating because people lose their jobs. They lose the ability to pay their rent. Uh, they're unable to come up with constructive ideas and how to take care of their life. So, again, you get a lot of homeless people who are basically addicted. Now, it doesn't mean everybody who's homeless are addicted. Right. But the vast majority are, and that has an influence on their motivation to get work. In fact, they're incapable of working because they are so addicted. The, that desire to do drugs has a tendency to take control over the, the whole spirit of the individual. So it's very uh destructive in that way. Now you get thank goodness for the medical uh organization who's trying to help people overcome their addictions by supplying them with needed medication so that they can go through the day in order to function as well as perhaps finding a, a decent job. But it's getting worse and worse, and the reason why it's getting worse is because of the drug use itself uh, coming from probably uh, families that are basically dysfunctional or coming from uh countries where they've had difficult situations uh, functioning, they come to Canada because they're hoping for a new and better life. And with them, they're carrying issues that needs to be addressed as well. So you're getting a combination of people coming in from other places, including across Canada. I'm not picking on immigrants because our own people in this country Mm -hmm. have major problems. Some of it's even worse than those who are coming in. But when you put it all together, uh, it's adding to a society that needs to look more carefully on what we need to do in order to help the citizens.
1: A number of people. At the same... Go ahead, Laurie. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. Go ahead, sir.
0: I was, yeah, I was thinking at the same time, the government needs to do more work and looking at what the needs of the communities are and come up with better ideas and treating those who are in need, and I mainly mean not just only people with addiction issues, Mm -hmm. but also with mental health issues. Because when I I walk down the street, especially the poorest street here in Vancouver, I look at so many people where basically the government has not done much to help them overcome their problems. We need to get together and come up with solutions to help people who cannot help themselves.
1: A number of people firmly believe, Larry, that these people don't want to be helped. That any help they get is temporary because once they regain their their uh, their goals and yeah. you know the way they the way society believes that their life should be read, they they just they just go back and start using drugs again, and they end up in the same place. Plus, a number of homeless people, according to reports that I've read don't want to be anywhere else except on the street for some reason.
0: Uh, Basically, when I look at all the people I work with living on the street, what I see are a lot of angry people, a lot of people who do not trust anything that has to do with uh, policing or with politics. You're looking at people who are very angry we're looking at people who probably lost everything in their life, who bad relationships or relationships that went wrong, um, people running away uh, from home. These are younger people running mm-hmm. away from home. You're looking at people hiding from the authorities either because they have a criminal record and they know that they're not going to be able to get as much help as they require. And there's a lot of denial. Mostly people who are on the street, they have very little self-esteem because they're stereotyped and they're afraid of allowing their friends to see them, especially if they come from, you know, fairly nice communities or families. They have a lot of shame and a lot of fear. And we need to recognize the fact that these are human beings, and what they need is a little more understanding, a little bit more compassion. And perhaps with attitudes like that, we Mm -hmm. might be able to reach out, and we might be able to uh, create a little bit more uh, respect, getting respect from them and showing a little bit more respect to them as well. Uh, With that, I think we might be able to do something. But Unfortunately nowadays there's a lot of stereotyping going around as well as racism and all sorts of other prejudices that keeps people uh confined to uh no win situation. So in general I think the entire we all need education. Every single person uh in the community, we mm-hmm. all need understanding in regards to to the causes of addiction and what we can do to help people overcome helplessness and to reach out with a helping hand and help them overcome their problems that they have. It's not because they distrust or they don't want to, it's because they have a feeling of inadequacy and they have expectations and the negative issues. So, Uh, it's going to take work. Uh, We're going to need to support them a little bit more in coming up with creative solutions rather than putting on a negative label.
1: Shouldn't we also look at what got them there in the first place and try to avoid this? Does the problem of drug addiction and homelessness begin from their childhood? Is it something that parents need to address and that society needs to teach parents how to be better parents?
0: That's an interesting question, because actually I did ask a couple of addicts, have they been at a younger age going to school? Mm -hmm. Would more education in the schools at a younger age have helped them not choose to do drugs? Um, 30% of the people I did talk to said yes, it probably would have helped to a certain degree. But on, on the other hand, there's also social society itself and who they associate with, who influence the way they think and act, that introduce them to things that may affect their future lives. So when we're looking at how can we help people deal with their addiction or prevention, we need to look at education not only community education, but education in the school system, maybe even taking them on school trips in the worst parts of the city and look at what may happen if they are introduced to uh, drugs, and learning a little bit more about the social impact of present-day functioning rather than just theories of evolution and looking at job opportunities. Self-care needs to be impacted and taught in the school system as well as the community itself.
1: All right, but is it fair to the rest of society to have to carry the, the financial burden for the, the, the homeless people who, who do not want to better themselves, who, who are more comfortable in the circle that they're in on, in on the streets, in the drugs, in the prostitution, in the sex trade? Why should society have to carry the burden of this finance if they themselves yeah. are 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 the result of this happening like there are many people in life Larry who have daily failures and they don't turn to drugs they don't turn to prostitution they don't turn to homeless oh homelessness they pull up their pants and and face the challenges that each day presents
0: it certainly is a concern, and it's a very serious issue because those of us who do work and need to pay taxes mm-hmm. don't like to see our tax money going to pay for something that's basically not going to help the person get a better life. What I would suggest, um, I used to work in a psychiatric hospital before they were closed down. Uh, we had over 900 patients before they were uh, put out on the street. And we had a magnificent program for those who were functioning. And I was thinking maybe the government needs to look at ways in which they can employ these people, either in a protective environment, get them out of the environment where they're more likely to be vulnerable such as a place where streets are loaded with drugs and addictions of all sorts and prostitution, a lot of them don't want to be there. They want to do something constructive to help themselves. But it's they're, that's not going to happen if they're going to continue living in an area where it's permitted on the streets and people ignore it. What we need is a place that can encourage them to... Basically, dry themselves, though, get rid of the drugs in their bodies by support, by being in an environment where there's no drugs available, uh, having medical help, teaching them some type of life skills so that they're able to function, and over a period of time, teach them something where they're able to go back on the street did a reasonable job mm-hmm. to be able to buy food and so on and so forth. Now, that's going to take a little bit of money. But All I right, Larry, stand by. Stand,
1: Larry, stand by. We'll get back to this topic as soon as we get back from this commercial break. This is the Exxon Larry Falls as our guest. When sex was a religion dot And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. back. Falls is our special guest this hour, Exxon Nation. His website is whensexwasreligion.org. Uh, Larry, we were talking about you know how to, I, I, I guess, try and come up with a remedy that would work when it comes to the homeless, the you know the those who are affected by yeah. drug addiction, prostitution, and uh, the sex trade, but my own personal yep. experience with those who have tried or have been uh you know arrested for drug abuse no i was i was a cop so i know what i'm talking about when it comes to this part where we're you know the, they're picked up they're brought into uh, if uh, if they're arrested you know they go through the judicial system they have the opportunity of going to rehab and once they're out of rehab, the cycle starts all over again, you know, and our judicial system today is like a turnstile, you know, in, out, in, out, in, out. And now with the the, the moronic governments who are defunding police departments and the moronic members of society who are saying, you know, disband police, how is this going to affect the, the, the enforcement of laws as well as the protective interests in society that law enforcement was mandated to take care of.
0: Yeah, that's a very difficult issue. Um, uh, Number one, I think people need to realize that we definitely need a police force. Uh, I would hate to think we live in a country with vigilante gangs going around, you know, causing havoc. Um, At the same time, when we look at addictions and when we look at mental health issues, We're looking at a very complex situation. I agree. What we need is the cooperation and research from the universities. We need more help from the governments to look into this and the best way of dealing with such issues. And sending them to court and sending them to jail is not helping. It's creating more problems. But they're they're breaking the
1: law. Why should they be exempt from... The, the, the rules, regulations, and, and the procedures of a criminal act. They're criminals. So why not treat them like criminals? Why give them a pass?
0: This is a very interesting situation because they are criminals. They may not admit it. And there's a lot of uh, goody-goody people out there who think that they can't, they can't help it because they have problems. Well, if they can't help it and have problems, then we need to come up with a solution that will help them deal with their problems and issues. Uh, For example, uh, a number of years ago, we used to have institutions. Well, that's no longer possible because it goes against their human rights. Right. But at the same time, we need to look at something that's going to help them make appropriate decisions for themselves because Mm -hmm. a lot of them are not capable of making appropriate decisions on their own. I sort of uh, compare them to when you raise, you know, most people who are listening to your show, uh, most of them have children or have families who know what it's like raising children. You don't give your child a bunch of candy because they're crying for it nope. because you know what the effects will be on their teeth and their their uh, physical ability. I compare that to a person who's incapable of making an appropriate decision for themselves. Just because they're an adult does not necessarily mean that they have the wherewithal and understanding the consequences of the decisions they make. So we need to make sure or we need to come up with some type of idea where we can help them make appropriate decisions for themselves by encouraging them to get involved in some type of program, uh, not as punishment, but as for skills, training, uh, training in human Reha- relationships. And rehabilitation. Up self-esteem.
1: Rehabilitation.
0: Rehabilitation of some sort. Right. Uh, uh, yeah i i don't like the connotation of the word rehabilitation but it certainly is that if if there was another word we could come up with that would not have such a you know a negative connotation cuz people will say well i don't need rehabilitation well wait a sec wait a sec, sec well, wait a sec
1: wait a sec what what's wrong with saying that it's rehabilitation if somebody has uh let's say Somebody goes in for they they have a traffic accident, their hip is smashed, the doctors do their work, they have to go to rehabilitation to learn how to walk again. So what is wrong with calling a spade a spade? These people need to be because. rehabilitated or they need to be reprogrammed in order for them to return to society. They're not going to do it on their own.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, when you look at people with an addiction issue, especially, uh, you mentioned rehabilitation, all of a sudden they get defensive. They feel as if they're insulted. They feel as if they're, they don't have that type of problem where they need to be rehabilitated. Well, doesn't that so, mean
1: if, they have the problem if they can't recognize it?
0: To a certain degree, they probably deny it because they don't want to accept the reality that... Uh, it is a problem uh, a lot of people i work with they, the worst thing you can say is you need to be rehabilitated or you have a serious problem or what they don't want to hear that well, what it's do they want to hear total denial
1: so what do they want to hear Oh, you poor thing it's it's everybody else's fault that you're a drug addict you know poor you let me take care of your problems for you is that what they want to hear
0: Unfortunately, in some cases, they they have that poor knee syndrome and oh they get angry if you point the reality out. So how do you break that reality to them without actually insulting them? Well, now, maybe if society
1: <laughs> maybe if society wouldn't kiss their butts and actually hold them accountable for what they're doing, it would be a lot different. Like you said, everybody's got so many rights these days that what it is actually doing, it is being more of a problem to those who need the help of a a society that has rules and regulations in order to help these people.
0: Yeah, I think one of the greater problems in regards to dealing with issues like that is the fact that we, uh, as a society, Mm -hmm. tend to clump a whole bunch of people together who have different issues. Like, for example, when you're looking at mental illness and addiction, they're all clumped together. It doesn't matter if they have a mental illness or if they have an addicted area, addiction area. They're all clumped together in one little uh, small section of the city. Mm-hmm. Now, for starters, we need to separate that and look at the fact that you're looking at two groups of people with different needs, with different attitudes, and... Uh, different ways of dealing with them. That we need to do that. We need to divide it up and critically analyze what's really the problem here and to come up with some type of solution. Now, this is where the universities and the researchers need to perhaps focus on more than anything else when you're looking at society today. We need more sociological interference or influence analysis, to look at how we can correct these issues. Otherwise, it's just going to get worse and worse.
1: How about tougher laws? How would that work?
0: Well, uh, uh, laws, as I said before, we definitely need laws. I used to have the attitude that you need people or not. If they're going to smash a store window on the sidewalk, you need to grab them, you need to throw them in jail, and let them pay the price. Hallelujah, I agree. Yeah, but nowadays it's a little bit different. They go through a psychological analysis, they come up with ways of making excuses Mm -hmm. where they can be more lenient in, in being punished. But at the same time, perhaps we... We who are working, we who have a nice home and and surviving the way we care to, perhaps we need to get together and look at how we can not dictate but come up with solutions with interaction with these people. We need to get more groups of people who have these problems to come up and have a meeting and interact and have some type of community intervention to help them deal with these issues.
1: Well, that's one way of looking at it. You know, that, that's one way of, I said that's one way of looking at it, but unfortunately, the majority of society disagree with that aspect.
0: Yeah, there's a denial, because unfortunately, I think the attitude for many people is mm-hmm. that uh, nothing is going to help them. We just need to lock them up. They need punishment. But again, it's just generating more problems.
1: I, I understand. I understand. I understand that, and you know, this is a topic that will go on for years because I don't foresee any solution to it in the very near future, unless the law enforcement agencies are given the money they require to fight organized crime. They need to cut the head of the dragon or the snake off. But what we're doing now, because of this pansy society that we're all part of where if you want to do something stupid you just let the media know and they'll put it all over the place instead of doing that let the authorities do what they do best bring criminals to justice and let that crime um, category or the title of criminal lie wherever it you know follows down the the chain of command of organized crime. Let's cut it off once and for all, Larry. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure talking to you. Continued success. I love the work that you do. And Exonation. If you'd like to find out more about Larry Falls, visit his website, WhenSexWasReligion.org. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. As we continue here in the Exon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell, don't go away.